Happy Independence Day, America. Was a revolutionary war a mistake, a, a misunderstanding that we could have glossed over? That is today's big topic on Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. I'm Steve Green, and with me, Bill Whittle, and of course, Scott Ott. Uh, gentlemen, one of my favorite bloggers, uh, a retired Navy officer named, well, we don't actually know his name for various reasons. This guy about my age. He uh, goes by a uh, uh, gnome de plume, gnome de blog, uh, Commander Salamander, and he's just, he's one of my favorite reads. Uh, he published a piece today at uh, on his Substack arguing that uh, the revolution might not have needed to happen. He's he's not endorsing this, by the way. But he notes a, a couple of things that make an interesting setup. Uh, he says, especially in the southern colonies, many wanted nothing to do with the revolution, and a large part of the British forces fighting North America were loyal militia, uh, many of whom, of course, became Canadians after the war, even though Canada wasn't quite a thing yet. And there was a time, he writes, at the start of the fighting, even at the start of the fighting, that... Uh, there was room for political compromise, but uh, a lot of the goodwill, of course, had been burned up uh, over the last the previous 10 years, and it, it wouldn't have been easy, but it also wouldn't have been impossible had uh, perhaps Parliament and the King in London been uh, a little more far-sighted. Uh, Scott, you're our uh, resident expert in, in matters revolutionary and constitutional. Well, okay, what passes for an expert around here? And what do you think about this? I pretty low bar. What do you think about this idea that had the leadership in London been a little more farsighted, we could be something more like uh, Australia, or even still a part of Britain today? I don't think it's crazy, um, and I think in many ways, like so many conflicts that have sprung up throughout history, if a few people had made different decisions and maybe not been so arrogant or dismissive or insulting to others. Uh, then conflict might have been avoided, or at least armed conflict might have been avoided. Um, uh, you know, obviously, when you're so far away from uh, the the headquarters of your government as the United States was at that time, and we we don't fully appreciate this because we can hop on a plane in New York and be in London in a few hours. Um, we don't understand the, what it's like to live in a world where if you sent a letter to London, you wouldn't know whether it was received for several months because a ship had to take it over and then another ship, it had, somebody had to respond to it, it had to come back on a ship. And so we were at such a, a, a great remove from our government, and there was this sense that not only are they far away, but they're not listening to us. They don't care about us. They're not paying attention to us. And so even then, slight offenses become magnified. I mean, if you think that the you know the Boston Tea Party uh, arose as a, a somewhat violent protest, although mostly against merchandise, um, over what Mostly peaceful protest. Yeah, it was it was a mostly peaceful protest, except for the destruction of a large amount of tea. Uh, but over what might have been, in another analysis, considered a, a relatively minor tax. Um, it wasn't the most oppressive thing that any government has, any done, has ever done to any people. But these were not just any people. And these were not people, by the way, who were constantly bucking to say, hey, we want our own country and we want our own government and stuff like that. No, they thought of themselves as British. They want to be good mm -hmm. Britons. They want to be full participants and beneficiaries of the common law. And, you know, and they wanted to be faithful servants to the, the monarch, you know, and so they weren't trying to rebel, but 
they were being treated as a bald-headed stepchild, and little by little, one offense piles up, you know, as, as the uh, declaration might say, when a long train of abuses and usurpations <laughs> uh, piles up, phrase. they finally got to the point where they said, you know, screw this. Um, and so, yeah, in some ways, if cooler heads had prevailed on either side, you might have gotten through that without armed conflict, certainly, and maybe just with some sternly worded letters exchanged over a course of many months across the ocean. But that's not how it played out. And you don't get a second bite at the apple, um, at least not in this uh, phase of the multiverse. And so, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> there, there are have been great wars fought over isolated, you know, that were triggered by an isolated assassination um, of one person. And then next thing you know, the entire world is embroiled in war. Um, and so we, we don't get to, we don't get a do over on this, but it may be instructive to think through that and say, okay, would we have been better off as a people if we had come if we had been more compliant or if they had been less dismissive, um, I don't think so. And despite the bloodshed, uh, I think we came out on the better end of things after going through what some uh, you know, historians at the time may have referred to as this recent unpleasantness. Yeah. Uh, Bill, Scott raised a great point about uh, the original attitude being loyal to the king. And he opened up, uh, Commander Salamander opened up his piece this morning with something I had completely forgotten about, and that the original United States flag was the familiar 13 red and white stripes, but that the field was not a field of blue with stars. It was the Union Jack. Union Jack. Jack. Yes. And I... That had completely slipped my mind until this morning. It was that graphic that sucked me in, and oh, gosh, I have to read this piece. But on uh, on alternate history, a, a British North America might only have extended to the Mississippi. What happens to French Louisiana? Nobody quite knows. Do, uh, Texas and, and California and all of that remain uh, 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 Spanish-speaking. Uh, it raises questions that... Uh, I really don't want answered because I love this America from sea to shining sea. Uh, how about you? Well, you can rest assured that that would have been the case anyway. Um, one of the most enlightening and, and, and moving moments in John Adams, which was so well produced that as far as I'm concerned, it was actually pretty nearly the same as being there. Just so well researched, so well acted and so on. But one of the really, really moving moments in, in that remarkable series about America's second president and the founding of the country was when um, the delegates are gathered and they have written a letter to King George saying, listen, we're loyal British subjects. We are on your side. You're our king and, and, and we love you and, and, and so on. But, but here are some things that have been going on that we don't much like. And the king's reply comes back and the king's reply is nothing but, you know, anybody who's in, in defiance of my authority will be will be hanged. And you look at the faces of these men, and they're not angry; they're heartbroken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're heartbroken. They 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 are almost about to cry um, because this was not the outcome that they'd wanted. They did not want uh, the they did not want to be in arms against their their government. And it's an interesting thought experiment to say to yourself, "What would it take for you to take up arms against the United States of America?" That's essentially, you know, we think, oh, the blue coats. They, no, they, they, they were, they were taking up arms against their country, and and that was a the painful thing. But I think the larger issue is that there was no way that govern that that the British could govern 
the colonies, and not just because of the time lag. It's because of the scale, Steve. Uh, if you've ever been to Europe, you know that that, that you can drive in, in Europe, you can drive three, four hours and, and cross seven, six, five, five or six national borders, right? And when, when Europeans come to America, they think, oh, well, we'll just drive over to another state. It's like, it's going to take you two days. What? There was no way for the for the British to comprehend the scale of this of this continent. The the colonies as they existed were just down a very narrow strip on the east coast of the United States. The vast majority of the country in terms of square miles was basically completely undiscovered. And it it was beyond the British imagination to govern this. It was beyond the American imagination too. We we look if you look at the history of how the United States grew you find that that it it grew in waves and the waves followed waves of immigration and there was a gigantic Scandinavian wave and a German wave and then later an Irish wave and after that an Italian wave and so on. But basically, this country, I don't think this country fully realized how big this country was until World War II, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, even in World War I, you still had unincorporated uh, areas in, the, in the, what we would call the continental United States, if I, if I recall correctly. So, no, it couldn't have lasted. And you can make the same argument about the Civil War as well. Uh, people say, well, if Lincoln, if, it, if Lincoln hadn't, you know, now I'm hearing that Lincoln hadn't started this war, but okay, let's just say Lincoln isn't, yeah, let's just say that Lincoln never lived and the Civil War didn't start in 1860. Hmm. Then it would have started in 1910, or it would have started in 1930, and it would have been horrendously worse. Yeah. But you're not going to have two different governments of people as uh, as cantankerous and as independent and as and as freedom-loving as Americans putting up with, a, with this kind of ideological divide right down the middle of the country. It's just not going to happen. If France and Germany are going to go to war, then, then, then the North and South are going to go to a war, and, and it's going to be resolved one way or another. So I think all of these historical, there are many historical what might have been that actually do look like they could have changed the course of history, but I, I don't believe this is one of them. I think this country, well, it, it wasn't just a country, right? It was the new world. It was a new world. And the people who came to the New World, or, or the colonists that fought for this country, but mostly the people that came afterwards, self-selected for boldness and vision. You've got people who, have, who are leaving behind their relatives and their families, and they're not, it's not like, okay, mom, well, you know, we're leaving our little village here in Russia or whatever, and we'll, we'll Skype you when we get, when we get <laughs> to our new apartment. It's like, we will never see them again. Yeah. We will never see our families again. We will all, everything that we own or thought we owned, we have sold in order to get a one-way passage to a place we've never been before, where we don't know if we'll have a job. We don't know. We don't know anybody. We have some communities that helped a lot, but but this country was populated by people who self-selected for vision and risk. And when you are going to deal with a, a land that is the size of a continent. That is not something that the people who were in the ruling classes of Europe had the imagination for, let alone the authority for. Yeah, um, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Bill's thoughts uh, maybe maybe just uh, half a step further here. Um, Impossible. Just 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 half a step. It'll be okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Right. Tweak around the edges. people shape the land. We we. We build roads and, and dams and cut down forests and build cities and all the rest. But the land also shapes a people. 
and yeah, by coming absolutely. here our our character was was changed and uh there there is something fundamentally american about being in america it's a it's a synergistic thing that happened when originally english colonists came here they became a a, a different people and instead of staying put, they wanted to keep on moving past the frontier. Uh, one of our big complaints against uh, King George was the demarcation line of, uh, what was it, 1763, saying, you can't settle past this line. The hell we can't! <laughs> We're Americans! And it, 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 it became a part of our character to keep going west. Uh, British North America would, would never have been a thing. Because in order to, to manage that kind of spirit, you require a Republican form of government, a small-R Republican form of government. And one way or another, I think, I'm sure, we were going to come to blows with London and the king and, and everything that that stood for, and that there was always going to be an America from sea to shining sea. Oh, I get weepy on this stuff. All right, that's your right angle on that, brought to you by the good people who are the members of BillWhittle.com. So for Bill Whittle and Scott Ott, I'm Steve Green. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Happy birthday, America.